Hey everybody, this is Joshua Heston. And I'm Lisa Martin. And this is the Dark Ozarks on the Branson Podcast Network. Hello everybody. Hello Lisa. Hey Josh. Hope everyone's having a good evening. Yes, uh, it's marginally warmer here in the polar Ozarks. I don't know. I'd say I'd say it's uh, quite a bit warmer. I'm, we're we're sitting at about thirty degrees warmer than we were th- twenty four hours ago. So, yeah, yeah, and and we're still below freezing. <laughs> yes, considerably so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, winter saved up, and it came to visit all at once. It did, but and and we don't think about it because we only get it about once every 10 years this intense of a storm but those mm-hmm. have a history of of the harsh winters and uh, um, interesting things to do <laughs> in the, in the frozen, <laughs> frozen riverland actually yes and that was uh i love the the post um that came out with dark ozarks this week yeah. about the the ice on the river mm-hmm. and uh, i grew go ahead go ahead no no I, I was just saying it's no i i i agree you don't and you don't think about it now because if ice forms at all in the mississippi it's very rare but it's because mm-hmm. they literally uh narrowed the channel and deepened it so that it would flow faster so it wouldn't right. freeze. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Although, um, you know, I, of course, I, I come from northern hinterlands, uh, central Illinois, and uh-huh. uh, have crossed the, the Mississippi more times than I care to count <clears throat> at Burlington or Fort Madison. And a number of times in my life, I have seen the Mississippi frozen across. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, certainly not, it has to get, you know, assist, you know, sustained cold. For that to happen but it is a little awe-inspiring to see the mighty river um frozen over and uh, and i i grew up on the illinois river in, mm-hmm. in peoria county and definitely not uncommon to get the the ice flows and the the big uh chunks of uh of sheets of ice that then when they break loose they start piling up and making what looks like muddy icebergs well and you know i mean it really is it's a reminder sort of a yeah icebergs mini glacier or something like that it's, it's so cool but the descriptions around st louis are just amazing um from the 1800s yeah. mm-hmm. it would freeze two to three feet thick um and yeah. Basically, they turned it into a festival and put down wooden planks and basically had streets and businesses set up in tents and you would, you could eat, you could shop, you could gamble, <laughs> what, basically whatever you wanted. And uh, they would do that literally until the moose uh, ice started moving. Yes. Uh, along with the understanding that when it when it did start to move, you better get off of it. Yes, that you had to move uh, uh, quickly. My favorite description, though, was that as it started to move, it was so slow that the inexperienced didn't realize it was moving. 
at first. And then, of course, they would go down to the levee and watch it uh, basically destroy all the steamboats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nothing like a little wind. You do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, a Missouri form of, uh, of gladiatorial combat, really. Uh, uh, mercantile versus nature. Well, they, I think, I believe they said 1857, it took out 17 steamboats <laughs> at once. Oh my gosh. And that was, those weren't even the ones that blew up. So there you go. <laughs> and you know what? Circling back around, we can we can start off with uh, blowing up uh, steamed boats at the other end of the Missouri now. Well, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Which was a very common experience. Uh -huh. um, certainly, steamboats steamboats did not typically have a long lifespan. No, usually three or four years was all they they lasted. Usually mm -hmm. because they sank or blew and, up. Uh, Yes, um, catching on snags, uh, yes. a huge, huge issue, and uh, and then or just having their their boilers spontaneously combust. And in the case of the sometimes, Florida, sometimes uh, with quite a bit of uh, fanfare, and at Lexington in yes, 1852, yes. that's what happened with the Soldana is. Uh, the uh, mm -hmm. captain got frustrated because they were caught on snads, had been uh, caught in snads in the river, which the Missouri was renowned for its snads, uh, slowing river boats, and couldn't get around the bend. They were stuck at Lexington for four days. So he got tired of it and decided to push the boilers, and the boiler, the boiler, the boiler blew, and um, the, the poor captain uh, landed a hundred feet away from the river on a hilltop. They said, and it oh, was like, yeah, yeah. It was the uh, the most casualties uh, in the Missouri River. They said from a from a steamboat uh, was well over a hundred. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's something that that is is really pretty chilling when. Oops. Hello. Hello. I don't know what happened. I don't uh, know either. <laughs> uh, some, something that's really chilling with the steamboat, with the riverboat accidents, um, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, a high, high loss of life. And mm -hmm. this was done, you know, th these, these incidents would occur in locations that if you were looking at it through modern eyes you'd say that's that's a safe location you're right. in many cases within easy swimming distance to the shore you're not in particularly deep water oftentimes you're near a town and and yet casualty counts could be extremely high sometimes just for drowning because mm -hmm. not as nearly as many people knew how to swim in many cases, uh, but other times just because of the construction of the riverboat and if it 
was a situation of fire or an explosion, uh, you know, being scalded to death, being trapped in wreckage, uh, being thrown, uh, you know, vast distances, those types of things. Um, it, it, it could be a really, really horrible way to die. Yes. Well, to give an idea with the Saldana, they had, it had already sank once before and had been set, it sat on the bottom of the river for six months. They salvaged it, rebuilt the boat and used the same boiler. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's years old in the, in the, in the newspapers talked about, you know, basically it, how ancient it was i actually saw the word ancient used for it it was ancient an ancient steamboat because it was six years old <laughs> oh and uh yeah very very fun so that brings us to lexington yes lexington is uh of course a, a very important historical site now mm -hmm. uh, you know post-civil war and the Battle of Lexington took place there in October of 1861, I believe, very early, mm -hmm. very, very early on. September, I believe. Yes. I believe, yeah. I think, I think the second battle was October of the following year, I think. Okay, okay. Uh, and Lexington, Lexington was really essentially Little Dixie at that time. It really was. It, it was the center for hemp plantations on the Missouri, and mm -hmm. um, it would, hemp was big business for making rope and cloth uh, and mm -hmm. paper. And yeah. um, so uh, you had a lot of prosperous uh, growers there. Most of them were slaveholders, and uh, a lot of commerce went through there too, as a result. Yeah. Yes. And and is you know the the this is we're talking 1861 so for context this is still very early in the american civil war and a, a pretty sizable battle actually takes place in which the the missouri state guard um predominantly which mm -hmm. was confederate supporting yes uh, essentially won uh, a major battle against the federal or union forces and then uh ultimately of course did not win the state or the war but right. there's some some major major things that went on here with lexington mm -hmm. at this point and a lot of those centered around the anderson house yes the anderson house was the orville anderson home and plantation and it does it sits right on the um the Missouri River. Uh, if you mm. look at the post that we put up today, highlighting places for our discussion tonight, you can see this the side view of the Anderson House. If you look past it, you see a river, and that's the Missouri River. It literally the river's literally hundred yards from the front door. Mm. You can just stand there on the yard lawn and just watch the water go by. So they literally they watch the steamboats go by and the keel boats and everything. And I, I have to say it's one of the places that um, it, it really has a strong energy about it. And as you're sitting outside on the, on the lawn, you just feel like I don't want to leave. 
<laughs> and this the the home itself is also associated with a number of paranormal occurrences is that correct yes it is it is renowned for being haunted um the um mr anderson built it his family lived there uh, lived there for quite a long time uh ultimately later he lost all his money uh eventually um uh, mainly because he he kept bailing out his son-in-law <laughs> from business <laughs> failings um but um eventually uh, a lot of the uh furniture was sold off and everything just trying to settle his debts after the war um the mm. war ended up not being kindly to him as far as finances go and um yes a lot of original items are there and just to describe it if you've if you've visited any of the antebellum plantations in the south the myrtles down by you know Pittsburgh, natchez so on and so forth those are the kinds of homes that the anderson house is um it's very large scale the main hall um has uh six rooms uh on the each floor for uh first and second floor very large rooms the hallway is probably 20 feet wide inlaid parquet floor mm -hmm plaster of uh, medallion moldings, um, just exquisite wood carving and a very grand staircase. And um, so it, it, it definitely makes a statement. And that's not, um, that's just the main wing. You have a back wing that had basically everything else for the household and um, a winter kitchen. And there was a summer kitchen out back and, um, it's just it, it's a very large large home yes. and uh people have had experiences there for a very long time a lot of it i think related to the war um something perhaps related to some of the family members as well but um my own experience was when we investigated we investigated with another team uh Lee paranormal from kansas city and we had a docent from uh the park with us during the investigation and the docent kept telling us um as we went through the history that uh the house had changed hands in the battle three times and in the course of the last exchange uh, the union soldiers had grabbed three confederate soldiers and dragged them inside and executed them and the docent kept saying that they they dragged them up to the landing on the second floor and shot them which one didn't seem to make it didn't seem to make sense in the context of the battle and and especially as we as we describe what's going on outside with the with the bales of hemp and everything why would you bother dragging them upstairs and right the, right it just didn't make sense to me but in the main hallway it was as as walk through particularly the end uh towards the staircase I just get almost a swirling tunnel feel like a like when you're going through a haunted house and they've got the tunnel that's just kind of that but every like everything moving other people had the, the same sensation and so mm -hmm. afterwards doing research found from the original records that the executions did happen at the base of the stairs on the first floor which made more sense 
Yes. Wow. Yeah. And that it's 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 chilling to think of course i mean it's a beautiful location it's very peaceful but it's it's a little hard to wrap your head around that level of violence also taking place in the same space yes and then you know you you know i think um did you mention it did we mention it here or over on instagram about the the dual names of battles i think we did over there uh over on instagram yeah yeah, yeah. So while, while, while the Union referred to this as the First Battle of Lexington, the Confederates referred to it as the Battle of the Hemp Bales. And, yes, yes. <laughs> and basically what they did is they ended up surrounding the Union soldiers uh, on the Anderson property by dousing um, the hemp bales. And they were big round, about, think of big round hay bales now dousing them with water mm -hmm. and rolling them you know as many men as they could get behind them and rolling them in to basically create it almost like a reverse balance you know great balance and just boxing them in while the union is shooting them and trying to set them on fire oh, we lost josh again i'm back you're back. I'm back i'm not sure what you're doing i don't know I'm not doing anything. <laughs> um, weather. Weather. North, so you had all side. of that going. You had all of that going on, and uh, changing control of the house three times, and then you had those executions, and it kind of appears they were done out of the, the frustration at that moment. You know it. You know. Yes. You know in other circumstances they probably would not have happened and you didn't have a uh, senior command staff right there and so you know it's something that probably shouldn't have happened but it did yeah mm -hmm. what uh, besides the, the 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 unsettling movement sense what what's your impressions of the home overall from a from a paranormal perspective or, or things that got turned up in the investigation? Um, there, there were, there, there, there were shadow, um, lots of shadow movement, shadow men. Um, there were EVPs um, that um, male and female voices that I kind of figure are probably more connected to the home itself, not the battle, but mm -hmm. um, for and there, there were probably 12 or 14 investigators total there and it was interesting um you would have more neutral things that would come through on audio when the women were around we were around and then when a couple of the male investigators went through they got not quite as friendly responses mm -hmm. yeah and in fact uh, um the uh, lead investigator for elite paranormal basically was was told to get the hell out wow so <laughs> it's so something that you mentioned i think this might surprise some people i don't know but of course the the location is has these experiences uh but you said and i think we may have just been talking about this privately uh or offline but that there's a sense there that once you're there you really don't want to leave 
Yeah, at that time, I, you just, at least for me, I was just, I just felt at home, maybe almost a sense of deja vu, but particularly out on the, on the lawn, it was a very calming feeling watching the river and you just, just really didn't want to leave that spot. And a couple of other people kind of said the same thing. It was very lowly, you know, almost yes. drawing and just to stay. I think that's very powerful. That's there, there are some places that seem to exist in a good way, almost outside of time. Mm -hmm. And that, that was how it felt, you know, it was just like, you know, it's that sense of come sit down, have some sweet tea <laughs> and, you know, and um, have, have a nice conversation. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So, of course, all of our stories this week have some sort of connection with the Missouri River. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we jump ahead, I, I do want to just yes. mention just a little bit of something else in the war there that we end up talking a lot on Dark Ozarts about our outlaws. And of course, oh, Jesse yeah. James is one. And something that uh, is connected to Lexington that probably most people don't know is that, um, you know, famously, the James boys didn't surrender after the war, but that's not exactly true. Um, in May of 1865, Jesse rode into Lexington under a white flag to surrender. And the federal troops stationed there fired on him, tried to kill him, and he escaped crawling through brush. And within about a month, the what would become the James Gang was formed. Yes. And, and our, actually, Archie Clements was, was part of that. And Archie's really kind of interesting. He, he was one of Quantrell's... Um, leader, you know, uh, sort of sergeants that was the most ruthless. And he was very good friends with Jesse James. And he only stood about five foot tall, but was sort of the meanest guy in, in, in the room. <laughs> and so he basically, he formed the bank robbing uh, gang and taught the James boys how to rob banks. And so a month after Jesse tried to surrender at Lexington, um, they robbed their first bank at Liberty. Yeah. So if the <laughs> Union troops hadn't shot on him, we might not have had Jesse James, the legend. Absolutely. I think that's, that is uh, a, a very fair assessment. And, uh, you know, highlighting, of course, that, that, that mid-Missouri outlaw and war trail essentially yeah and then ironically came back around and uh archie who by the way um the james brothers half brother a little half brother was named after him and <laughs> the pinkertons later uh killed uh in an explosion but yes. clements came back to lexington a year after the war and basically tried to um electioneer the results of a local election at gunpoint 
and the citizens weren't too happy and they en they ended up killing him yes <laughs> um five foot tall and a, and a stout 130 pounds that's right <laughs> and every bit every pound mean apparently <laughs> yeah i think so i think so uh, so so much and i mean we talk about this a lot but so much has actually hinged uh in the ozarks or within the ozark borderland regions and i think it's it's important to note that lexington is probably a borderland region but it's a very very directly associated with the ozarks and of course the ozarks itself the the missouri river is essentially that northern boundary yes and it, it's a part of the Ozarks that most people aren't as familiar with. Yeah, but it's still quite, quite rural, um, with the exception of Jeff City. Yeah. And, and uh, very, very beautiful. Interestingly enough, a lot of the, the German immigration that took place and the other half, we had, uh, we had uh, essentially a, a southern plantation culture developing between between jeff city and kansas city making it little dixie um, um, but we had a lot of german immigration and settlement following the napoleonic wars between jeff city and st louis yes and a lot of that settlement contributed to the union soldiers in the civil war very much so very very much so and uh and uh, and you know so interesting the the german immigrants coming of course trying to get away from war mm -hmm. uh, and the devastation of it but also seeing uh the ideals of the united states as a as a bastion of freedom and individual liberty and they were ready to fight for their adopted nation and many many did mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes before they even learned english well you know that was optional they had more shooting practice they had they had more war uh fighting practice than uh than most of the uh native troops so they they ended up being very valuable <laughs> <laughs> which is quite fair quite fair all the way and uh, developed some some amazing culture that you can you can still participate in um um hashtag winery uh, <laughs> you, have some, you, you have some story for us now. Uh, I do, I do. I think we jumped to Herman and then back to Boonville and then finished with St. Charles um, and with Jeff City along the way. But uh, that that Missouri River country has turned into one of my favorite spots. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Herman, Missouri is a, uh, of course, is, is renowned uh, regionally for its uh, its German culture and German architecture and mm -hmm. I had, had the opportunity in the last year to go um, spend a little bit of downtime there and I like going to these places initially with no preconception yeah uh, I, same as you know the story with Eureka Springs you go in cold and if you if you experience something you experience it if you don't you don't uh you know uh, the the photos and the bratwurst are so awesome so you know that's what it really is all about <laughs> and i uh really um i i really fell in love with with herman as a as a as a small city uh, so much of the downtown is is original to when the town was founded 
with the, with the, the early German immigrant settlers. So neat, neat place. But uh, one of the one of the the places got you know got to go in and and go to a lot of places. But the Hermannoff Winery, uh, mm-hmm. which is a pretty sprawling establishment at this point, at its at its base is uh, an original winery structure uh, built in 1848. Wow! And uh, and it's it's beautiful. Um, what is what is particularly fascinating is that that it's the the actual structure is over some really uh, cavernous wine cellars that 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 are original, and uh, got to wander in, and it was pretty busy and bustling and people buying wine and cheese and all that kind of stuff. And there's a sign that just says, you know, uh, self guided tour walk down the stairs here and so I walk down and find myself of course in the in the wine cellars from 1848 they're they're massive um there are uh, um cast iron angels built into the the structures interesting very very interesting and there was absolutely in my opinion absolutely uh, a sense of presence mm-hmm. within the within the space um, at the same time very similar to what you were describing that I didn't want to leave it yeah. was very very um, very comforting it was there was something about it that that kept drawing you into the space and it was like a half hour before closing time and technically I needed to leave, but I really didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, very, very powerful. And at some point in there, because it was a self-guided tour, there was uh, a note that on the wall that said, yes, the place is reported to be haunted uh, <laughs> by, by someone who had, you know, uh, fairly early on, I think, had had passed in relationship to the space. And I just, I found it really, really fascinating because I felt that certainly before, I mean, I, I really don't think that the, the, the little wall hanging uh, with the note that says, oh, place is haunted, uh, yeah. would have made that much difference. And it was, it very much, there was absolutely, in my opinion, absolute presence there, mm-hmm. possibly multiple. But again, we often associate hauntings with fear yeah. and, uh, and the idea of get out. And of course, uh, you know, a lot of EVP of saying, you know, get, get out or get the hell yeah. out or those types of things. And, and in this case, very much the opposite, just extraordinarily welcoming. Well, and I, I find in a lot of places that uh, particularly, well, not always, but often those sort of calm presences um that that they don't like the hustle and bustle and if if you've got that busy business going on upstairs um a lot of times they will sort of recede into an area where people aren't at a lot where people where where people are afraid that you know you're going to have a ghost in your face all the time if your house is haunted or something you know a lot of times they're like you know, 
it's sort of the cliche, but in the attic or in a storeroom or, you know, unused bedroom that it's like, they're just, you know, staying away from you. But when you do go into that space, you definitely sense them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, mm, I think that's, it's, it's such a different reality is oftentimes so different than expectation. Very <laughs> extremely. <laughs> it. Uh, is is such a such a neat reality though in oftentimes and that um interestingly enough contrasted i had and we we talked a little bit about this i had a very unique experience uh on the katie bridge and boonville yeah. and then of course uh, just a an interesting experience with uh with the patty malone pub in uh, in jeff city all of these either <laughs> over the missouri river overlooking the Missouri River or right next to the Missouri River. Yep. Yeah. Well, which one do you want to go? I tell you what, go go with paying the loans first and then we'll go to the bridge because that segues pretty well into St. Charles. It, it, into St. Charles, it really does. Um, and Patty Malone's Pub is, I believe, at 700 uh, East Main Street or West Main Street, um, 700 Main Street in Jeff City. You can see the Capitol building from from patty malone's it is in one of the oldest buildings in downtown mm -hmm. and it's been uh, it's been a pub for an irish pub for quite a number of years very much a community spot and uh it's pretty much a i don't want to miss getting to go there if i am in jeff city right uh food is amazing and it again is in a very very old structure uh, which is obvious the moment that you even lay eyes on it it's there on the corner <clears throat> and uh, last time i was in there the 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 space again a lot of these experiences unlike the the crescent which there was a very strong sense of malevolence it a lot of these for me again bear in mind i'm not going in looking for it right and um you know and, and of course this could be you know anything of course if you're particularly skeptical could be disputed but then i'm just going what is my experience and exactly. how, what 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 is what sort of sense do i have of this space and i i really love i really love the building it's it's incredible i what was funny of course was eating my meal there's there's of course the the long side that's the the restaurant and yeah. then on the other side is under other circumstances more of a space for music and that sort of thing and so partway through my meal i need to go to the bathroom tmi um but i the the bathrooms are on the other the other side and there's nobody over there right and i go over there and two things one in in the bathroom space which of course wouldn't have been the bathroom right. for much of the building's history there was just the sense that there was somebody there um they didn't seem to be surprised by me i didn't really feel terribly surprised by them 
I couldn't tell exactly where they were at, but I also had the distinct sense that they would appreciate it if I was polite to them. And, but there was just, there was just a, a fairly warm, welcoming, but existent sense of presence within that space, which was a little odd. And the other, uh, to get there is the staircase uh, up to the second floor. It, this was probably about seven o'clock at night. It was dark. The stairwell is closed for public access and it was unlit. But beyond the sense of being unlit, there was a really strong sense of foreboding at the top of the stairs. There are places like that. I mean, that, that... When you said that, it made, it made me think of the stairs to go into the green room at the Coleman. <laughs> very fair, very, very fair. And I, you know, it's it's something again. Um, you know, we we generally recognize some of paranormal activity being associated with sentience mm -hmm. and and uh, an energy that can move, and mm -hmm. so. And like you, like you mentioned, there's, there is at times, sometimes in these spaces, there's a malevolent anger, but other times there is a shyness and yes. sometimes a foreboding and it can be a lot of different things. I think, you know, it's interesting sometimes if you were to go barging in seeking something, you might find nothing, mm -hmm. but then when you stop looking for it, it's back. That, that's my experience in, in a lot of situations. If you go in bold and, you know, it's almost, you know, it's human nature, you know, go in bold, you know, I'm, I'm looking for this and, you know, where are you? Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show myself to you. <laughs> no. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, obviously as, as corporeal beings, we experience shyness. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how much is that trans transitions or transfers through. Oh, I I think so. I, you see that personality aspects of personality definitely show through, and at different mm -hmm. places that you know it can be playful, it can be shy, it can be bold, uh, can be overconfident. Uh, just like <laughs> people are have various personalities. Very much so, yeah, which is, is so interesting just in the entire process. I can tell you, you know, it was, it was probably in retrospect, it was particularly interesting at Patty's. Um, uh, on one hand, the sense of the sense of someone in the, mm -hmm. in around the corner in the bathroom space. Mm -hmm. um, very, very not a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, not a concern, not a sense of I need to get out or I need not to be here or any of that. But at the same time, had I been, you know, had it been appropriate to walk up those stairs, whether the light was on or not, I would prefer not to. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just best to, to go with that feeling. And I think to give people an idea when you say, you know, it's in one of the oldest buildings downtown, uh, it is a, a fairly old place for Missouri. I mean, uh, 1820s. It is. You know, starting to be built. The, you know. Yeah. Yes, there's, 
they were and of course we we talked about that with the penitentiary mm -hmm. um that that there's there are are structures in jeff city that 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 really would be would be classified as old within the 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 time frame of the nation not mm -hmm. just the time frame of the west right right that you know they they are old enough to fall in that category there and in, in St. Charles and St. Louis, uh, particularly, and in a, a couple other places. But um, yes. so when you say, you know, th this building is old, it's close to 200 years old, probably. We're, we're pushing in that direction. And mm -hmm. it's, but again, it's so beautiful. I love the fact it is still in use and, uh, and quite frankly, if you're looking for a fantastic Irish pub, <laughs> it's just a good one. Anyway. And they 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 have, uh, I know, and and I I would imagine that they have no idea I even exist. So, you know, in terms of like giving them advertisement, but right. I just really like a good Irish pub. <laughs> well, that's all that I do too. And, uh, so. Some of the some of the, some of the best. Uh, beer cheese soup I have ever had I had it Patty Malone's oh my gosh so that was that was fun of course on the same trip uh had a really interesting experience on uh what actually is the the old Katy Trail railroad bridge in Boonville mm -hmm. and Boonville's not too far and, from city either no it is not it's you know on up the way um very, very interesting town, very interesting history, of course, a river town and uh, the the old railroad bridge. And it, what I think is funny is it's actually the new railroad bridge. It was finished in 1931 slash 1932. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably one of the, one of the <laughs> first um, railroad bridges over the Missouri. I suspect so. And uh of course a lot just a lot of history there's a there's a beautiful old restored um um mission style uh katie trail depot there oh cool and the 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 bridge itself and part of the trail is kind of obscured by the the big uh, casino that's all there now <laughs> but i think there's just for a little bit of of understanding uh if i want to get good pictures uh of stuff and several people who know me will attest to this uh i become irritatingly fearless about location <laughs> uh, i know no uh several times uh, round spring round spring ask ask around about my photographing at round spring because i'm like hanging off the side of the 30 foot cliff because I really want this angle. And I'm like, and it's weird. Once I'm trying to get photos, things like heights and snakes and all those things that I would normally be concerned about, I it turns off in my brain and I just try to get there. So um, the 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 Katy Trail Bridge built in 1930, completed in 1932, is closed. It's no longer a working railroad bridge right. but a portion of it is uh you know you can walk out over the river 
on it. It crosses the, the existing um, um, railroad track that runs along the Missouri in the east to west route. And then it goes out over the river. And it's, it's very, very neat. It's very uh, evocative. The, it was one of those bridges that had the big pulley and weight system that would raise um, oh, yeah. a portion of the, of the bed up to let um, you know, uh, river traffic through and those that the essentially the the gate houses and the pulleys and the gates and all of that are all still there and you can walk oh, out to it and <clears throat> i uh walk out over the first portion of the bridge um which is over the railroad tracks and still up long ways up and get a great shot of the sunset up around the the, the bend with the bluff and him kind of hanging over the edge, looking at the railroad and all that stuff. And then I go ahead and walk out to the portion over the river. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess also important to understand, I love bridges. Uh, I spent my, my, my entire childhood, we were traversing over massive river bridges uh, near my hometown. Every time we went to my grandparents, I love the old bridge at Burlington specifically specifically because yeah. it had the uh the 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 wire essentially a heavy wire mesh floor that you could look down to the river yeah uh, and i always loved it when somebody was writing with us it would like completely freak out because i thought it was the coolest thing ever that we were on a bridge that you could see the river underneath your vehicle those types of things um i i uh, when we were down south in Louisiana, I would specifically ask my dad that we would detour on I-10 over to New Orleans, not to go to New Orleans, but just so we could drive up on Lake Pontchartrain, go across the Pontchartrain Bridge. <laughs> uh, I, one, uh, one of my highlights, one of my highlights to the Eastern Seaboard was that we got to do the uh, uh, the Del Mar Tunnel, the Chesapeake um tunnel that goes under yeah. um between the the delaware peninsula and virginia beach all of that i say all that to say i'm not afraid of bridges and i'm not afraid of being over rivers mm -hmm. a couple of yards out past the railroad bridge i don't even realize what's happening but i become incredibly agitated uh, I, I become really um, paranoid that I'm going to drop my phone, that I need to now be holding onto the phone with two hands, that I probably should have my phone in my pocket. And the further I get out toward the, the guardhouses and the gates and everything, the more it is impressed upon me that if I'm even going to be in this space, I need to be in the center of the trail, the center of the bridge, and as far away from the edges as possible. Otherwise, this, this intense agitation and sense that my phone's gonna end up in the river or I'm gonna end up going over the edge. I am in danger, I should not be there. And just this incredible sense of discomfort that this is not a place, this is not a space that I'm supposed to be in. I do manage to get out far enough to get some pictures but it literally i find myself standing in in what really is a very wide space 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a long way from falling off of anything. Right. And I'm going, I cannot get any closer to the edge. Hmm. Interesting. I I have no idea why, but very odd. It sounds like something probably happened here at some point. And you know, I mean it's we're you know, it uh it essentially it would mean it, it was built 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh the structure itself. But that of course is not counting the fact that there was a there was a bridge there prior. Right. And then of course a, a lot of uh of river traffic as well. And who knows what all happened, you know, if there how many how many, you know, boats went down right there or who knows it's it's very it was very fascinating to me uh you know it's it's one of those things i if if it wasn't for something like a platform like dark ozarks um i probably wouldn't even talk about it yeah you know well there you go it's it's an interesting experience and other people have had those experiences in places yes And, and i think it's it's a it's one of the things that i think is important we you know i and of course, the 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 tagline of Dark Ozarks is sometimes there are no easy answers. Right at the moment, there's certainly no easy answers for me. Uh, I just know what I felt. And you know, sometimes I know I know what I saw or I know what I felt has to be enough. Yeah, yeah. And you just you you document it. You respect it. Um, you don't let it overwhelm you. Right, but it uh, you just you just catalog that and uh, and move on. But if anybody is watching that that has had a similar experience, I'd love to hear from folks. Yeah, and, and if anybody has some additional history on the old Katie Bridge in Boonville or anything that might have happened in that, it would be really interesting. I'd love to compare notes. Yeah, I would too. I'd love to know because I I just have a feeling that something has happened there that. It, that in the right you know with that information you know you're probably going oh okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it was just it was such a strong sense of agitation and and a sense of impending danger that uh, one that you couldn't really obviously you you know i looked around it was a beautiful evening there wasn't anything that was physically putting me in danger right uh, but a sense, an impression, I think would be the right word for it, an impression of danger or an echo of danger, something very uh, out of place. And it was, I'd, I'd managed to hike around a lot, the, the whole area there yeah. in downtown. And uh, it was definitely the only place that I felt that. Well, that's another story to explore. It is. It is. But speaking of bridges, we have exactly. a, we have a voodoo witch. <laughs> well, we have a voodoo, a voodoo witch, and definitely a bridge story, <laughs> all rolled into one. Yes. <laughs> in in of all places, St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles, Missouri. Um, now, I guess one thing to think about is that, aside from St. Louis, it's the oldest town in Missouri. Yes. And it has a, a lot of French influence early on. Mm-hmm. And um, this story, though, didn't really 
kick up steam until the mid uh, 20th century. And right. it's, it's probably one of the more infamous urban legends in uh, Missouri. And that is the voodoo witch of St. Charles. And we know who she was. We've always known her name. Her name was Molly Crenshaw. And the legend grew that she was a Jamaican born African uh, American, probably slave, voodoo priestess. Yes. Who somewhere in the 1820s or 30s um, started basically frightening the community. Uh, they were afraid of her and um, it's not clear what supposedly happened for them to be in fear or why she might have a vendetta. But um, basically the story goes that to preempt, you know, sort of demise of the town, they killed her and not only killed her, they quartered um, her. Yes. Cut her into pieces and buried them in various places so that her body could not reassemble. Yes. Mm. So you, you have a lot of detail there. Um, now, now the flip side is we, we do know who Molly Crenshaw was. And, yeah. and she didn't live in the 1820s. She, she died in 1913, a 52-year-old school teacher who did take her own life by drinking carbolic acid. Um, which, by the way, uh, carbolic acid was, it's, it's, it's kind of like when we joke about sits people in the 19th century, carbolic acid in the early 20th century was the go-to means of uh, suicide, which is kind of ironic because it, it, it would be, it's very caustic and it would be, it's a very painful, um, not quick death, but Yes. Uh, she, and no one knows why she committed suicide, but she did, and she was found at home mm -hmm. and buried in the cemetery, which now is known as the Witch Cemetery. And um, somewhere between her death and the 1960s, the legend of the voodoo priestess arose and somehow got tied around molly crenshaw's tombstone oh however it, there is a little macabre twist in that in the 60s um as the legend grew teenagers would go out to the cemetery to try to communicate with molly crenshaw etc and at some point supposedly a uh, teenage girl is out there and a couple of teenage boys decide they're going to scare her and make her think that Molly Crenshaw has risen from the grave and is chasing her. Unfortunately, what then happened is the young girl ran out of the cemetery to the river, out onto the railroad bridge, and jumped over the edge. Wow. That's the, that, that, that is the story. Now, mm. whether that is the real reason she did, we don't know. But right. 
Right. Oh, there's there's a lot of moving parts to this, including almost the conflation of conflation of history with um, with a, with a real tragedy combined with an urban legend resulting in a tragedy. Yes, and then beyond that, that that of course get to the urgent the urban legend up further, and so you had more pilgrimages out to the cemetery and um, people trying to chip off pieces of the tombstone as souvenirs, things like that. So they actually then removed her tombstone and moved it to um, a private home where it's, it has stayed since um, so that it's not vandalized. Yes. And on the promo for tonight, um, that's on there, the, uh, the picture that has the stone it has a picture of the house where it, it's kept. Um, so now her her grave is unmarked. Yes. Oh, I, I now I've been I've been to St. Charles. Mm -hmm. I've only been once. I want to go back. I I find it incredibly fascinating and beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. Um, a small city, and I'd be very interested to dig more into this. Of course, St. Charles. Uh, has, in addition to being the second oldest city, obviously has uh, a strong French connection mm -hmm. and a strong river connection. And yeah. you put those two together, it doesn't take a lot to connect it with New Orleans, uh, to connect it with uh, uh, potentially Haiti, uh, so on and so forth. And so potentially Jamaica and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that's so the, where I'm sure that it, it developed. Although, to be perfectly honest, it, it has quite a few details that normally these urban legends that, you know, kind of spring up out of nowhere are more vague. This, this has a lot of, quite a few details to it. Um, so uh, there definitely was a narrative that's, you know, was going for this some when it, when it was created and it, it may, and no one knows why it was associated with Molly. My guess was probably someone's in the middle of the cemetery telling a good story and this is her. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so interesting though. I, I'd love to do some more research uh, and wonder if there, the the lore that got attached to the school teacher mm -hmm. uh, was not actually pre-existent with with a you know an, an older origin. Well, so everything that I've found kind of indicates that everyone thinks that it really did the 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 story started in 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 the mid twentieth century. Wow. Uh, and you know, decades after she had died, and mm -hmm. that it didn't pre-exist, or at least I haven't found anything, um, mm -hmm. which I, I find kind of odd too, um, because voodoo is not an isolated practice in in Missouri I, either. I mean, it's not that no. uncommon, particularly in the 1800s. Yes. So. It would not surprise me if it if there weren't a similar story that uh, it comes from maybe not from here but 
a similar story that happened somewhere and in retelling it here it got connected to the place is my yeah i wonder yeah. that i i would be very curious about that as well and, and i think yeah. the the thing that is interesting is the the specificity of the of the legend yes yes um i mean it really i mean it really has a um new orleans feel to it mm -hmm. it does it does there, there's also an interesting element of uh, dark magic a little bit out of place yes in yes. in the sense that that in in something that i feel is is you know in, in certainly in new orleans uh haiti etc that uh voodoo practice tends to not get you quartered yes well in 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 the in the legends tend to be more that the practitioner is more powerful that right. would that could not have been defeated in this way mm -hmm. um, this i mean it has it has sort of that element but it also has sort of a new england witch hunt feel to it as well yes it does, <laughs> yes, it does. and you know in and, and the 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 essence and i think this is this is an interesting um sort of cross purposes you know you can't win for losing mm -hmm. um, in process um we know that of course there, there were many uh threads of hoodoo i'm gonna jump over to hoodoo for a moment uh -huh. and root work um many many threads of hoodoo there's certainly a, a strong um european component there's uh or, or old world component um sort of a strong um american settler backwoods combined with uh with native american practice component yeah. and then a very strong uh african-american component to to hoodoo and you know the the thing that that was, was something that was very attractive i think about any any of those elements of hoodoo was that it it provided a sense of of at least attemptive justice for um marginalized peoples uh mm -hmm. regardless of their origin right uh whether whether they were um uh, poor white settlers uh, in the mountains, whether they were um, African Americans, whether they were Native Americans, uh, or in some cases, whether they were old world uh, immigrants from, mm -hmm. from places like Italy or Germany, that that there was a sense that if you were were poor and marginalized in in you know in, in terms of the social strata, and that you would not necessarily get justice through standard means that root work had a great deal of attraction to it because you could you could appeal to justice through through your own own ways 
right and at the same time you it might get you uh tried and convicted for uh for witchcraft yes especially depending on the time period something yeah. else that kind of came to mind though and especially uh since they the the legend pins her very early in the history the 1820s to 30s in the legend um something else that happened roughly in that time period that was in new england was the new england vampire scare um which no one really knows why but there were a a number of new england towns in the 1820s and 30s that became very paranoid that they had vampires among their midst yes and that um those that uh, died that were suspected of being vampires that they pinned them to their graves etc in in ways that um, later would become more cliche with Bram Stoker etc but did occur in that time period and so the the quartering and the burying in various places it, it has that kind of feel to it not letting it not yeah. letting thing come back yes i i do agree and something of course that our 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 series of 20th century vampires have have given us uh pop culture vampires uh which have have ranged from uh um uh, uh stoically seductive to incredibly twinkly uh that we're we're not talking about those kind of vampires uh think more in terms of of uh vampiric revenants or vampiric ghouls yes that uh uh you know with the added with the added horror factor that it's coming back in the form of a loved one yeah and so i mean you know it, it does make you wonder why those details in in the in the supposed time frame but uh it's either a completely modern invention or it's building on something uh orally in the past that my guess did happen somewhere else either the vampire scare or something yes else. yes and we don't know what we don't know what that is of course uh, I want to do more research. I I find St. Charles to be an incredibly beautiful and um, alluringly fascinating place that mm -hmm. I know you don't have to, you, you would not have to dig very deep there to start uncovering all sorts of very, very interesting history and lore. Exactly. And, and, and that's something that we may have to delve into deeper, but um, it certainly does give us a book into our, our river stories and unfortunately uh, a very tragic ending uh, very very true very very know, true with the railroad bridge um, yes. which has since been demolished apparently right and for for folks that might not be familiar with the, the geography uh saint charles is right on the river mm -hmm. literally yeah it was a river town well yes. in fact uh, lewis and clark you know, we, we, you know, we tend to think of Lewis and Clark uh, leaving from St. Louis on their expedition, but they actually left from St. Charles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. St. Charles was, I guess, for, for, for a few years there, St. Charles was not only a river town in Missouri, it was the river town in Missouri. Pretty much. 
pretty much. It, it, it was it was that final jumping off place, kind of like the you know the spur on the rail uh, on the railroad that only went twelve miles out of town and went nowhere else. You know, oh, <laughs> okay. had mile out of St. Louis. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> all the, almost a Merrimack, but almost. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, the round the trip that you enjoy. <laughs> no doubt. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is this is you know jumping. Um, but I remember one one record I think would be interesting to look into. Uh, I believe the the federal uh, prisoner of war camp in Rolla is located about where the Walmart Supercenter is today. <laughs> Why is that so just, you know, ironically appropriate? Because <laughs> I feel like a prisoner when I'm in Walmart. <laughs> oh, Not making a fight, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's, there's some sort of cyclical resonance in the universe with that. Uh, as well as the bridges. It would be interesting to know if odd things happen there, that's for sure. It certainly would. It certainly would. Um, if there's any anybody that's had a, a Confederate apparition of the garden section, we'd like to know it. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's kind of funny that, that people always think of, you know, places that are haunted as like an old building like Patty Malone's or or uh the anderson house or you know a victorian house you know victorian you know that fits the the picture but mm -hmm. there are a lot of haunted businesses that are modern buildings yes. that people go in every day and they have no idea but for people like me because you know often you know i'll i'll i'm wearing a, a team jacket or t-shirt a lot and you'd be surprised how many places you go to eat or you go to shop. And I've been told, you know what, you know what, you know what happens here, you know, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and people, people would be surprised that, yeah, it's just not yes. that, that idea of the, you know, the, the lady in white in a castle or the Victorian or, or whatever it's, you know, it can, it can be Walmart or Hardee's or the grocery store or whatever <laughs> very it is so true and one of the things that i think i you know certainly a a personal goal for for me and i think it's a, it's a collective goal for dark ozarks is uh, is encouraging people that it's okay to talk about these stories yes yes one thing that i've really enjoyed over time with what i do with paranormal science lab is being able to for people to do that and i i've had that experience a number of times where you know it, it's just that can i tell you a story can i tell you what happened you know and yes. you know they that it's okay and and it, you know and that you don't have to be able to you shouldn't have to be able to tell your story and people look at you like you just grew a third you know third you know second third head or something you know I, uh, I know and I've, I've had I've had very similar experiences where in the course of the conversation if they know that I you know write about these things or respectfully research these things and then they go well I've had this experience mm -hmm. and and it's one of, you know it's it, to me it's it's a little 
it's a little heartbreaking in the sense that you know it's it's very human beings are herd we're herd mammals we we're we're created to share we're created to interact um and it's very uh, I, I think it's very, very isolating to have an experience that you don't feel like you can talk about. Well, yes, because it, you know, and often they're not scary or anything else. It, you know, it shouldn't be something that they have to be afraid to, to, to share. It's not, you know, it, most of the time they're not kind of experiences like you know, I went, you know, like the exorcist story that we talked about last week, you know, you know, no. it's, you know, I, I just had this experience and, you know, they, they may feel a little uneasy or they may have felt uh, calm or perhaps uh, even uh, satisfied, you know, message from a loved one or something. And those are things that people should be able to share and not feel badly about. Mm -hmm. And that other people shouldn't judge people. We, no. we tend to judge others very quickly for having any experiences that are different than us. Yes, and and I think one of the things that is, is particularly sad about that is that most individuals who do have these experiences didn't go looking for them, were not expecting them, uh, exactly. didn't ask for them, and, and in many cases were skeptics themselves prior. Well, to be perfectly honest, you know, mo most people tend to be skeptics or at least neutral until they have an experience. So, yes, yes. So, <laughs> I guess I guess all that to be said. Um, you know, anytime that someone feels comfortable sharing stories with us, either in person or, you know, through through direct messaging or online, uh, we appreciate that and we respect it. We do, and and they're held in confidence and, and, unless you are comfortable with something being shared, so. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I think that's, we covered a lot of territory tonight. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All the way across the state. And uh, and my goodness, if, uh, if, of course, ghost stories from anywhere are awesome. But uh, if you have a particular, you know, haunting experience or, or lore, uh, in association with uh, uh, the Missouri River Valley in, in mid-Missouri, the northern ragged edge of the Ozarks. Uh, we'd love to hear that as well. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and we, we continue to get um, stories from people. We, we got one online today and uh, uh, a very interesting one and uh, that I hadn't heard before. So, you know, it's just... I'm glad that this is become is becoming a group project in a way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we couldn't do it without y'all. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty fun. It is, it is, and we will be back next Wednesday and hope everyone stays safe and warm in between. Very much so. Yes, be careful, y'all. Have an awesome evening, Lisa. Appreciate you so much. Uh, appreciate you, Josh, and. Uh, we will figure out what we're going to talk about next week then. Sounds good. <laughs> Night all. Night.